forever. Dog. I've never really wanted to be a movie star. Okay. I have always wanted to be a character actor, which is one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this show. Oh, nice. Um, was that my goal when I was a kid was to be the character actor. Same. Um, and we have faces that are pleasant to look at, but they're not movie star faces. No, no one's going to, so it's know. not going to pop out at you, but you're going to go, oh, Hey, there's that guy. Um, yeah. that's happily my career. Hello and welcome to Household Faces, the podcast where a character actor interviews other character actors. I'm your host, John Ross Bowie. You might know me from The Big Bang Theory or Speechless or the series finale of Grace and Frankie. Yes, the episode that also had Dolly Parton in it. I know, it's easy to forget I'm in that when Dolly Parton shows up. Yeah. Our guest is Diedrich Bader. Diedrich Bader, what a giant. I mean... If it, it, Drew Carey show, but also Office Space, Napoleon Dynamite, his work on Better Things. He has a very interesting approach to TV vis-a-vis his approach to film, and we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about uh, growing up in Paris. Um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in, in this interview. I've known Diedrich for years just from the audition circuit, um, and, and we've become friends, which is kind of neat because we are often going out for the same role up against each other, but it, it doesn't matter because you get to a certain age and you're just kind of all in this together. And a lot of like the petty competition that slows actors down in their 20s and 30s just kind of evaporates. And uh, you're all just lucky to, you know, still be in the mix. Uh, I think you can hear that in the course of this interview. Please welcome Diedrich Bader. Diedrich Bader, thank you so much for for doing this. It's my pleasure. I'm I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, We have so much to to talk about, but I want to... I want to notice something at the top, okay? Which is there's an interesting quality to your performances. I feel like there's a TV Diedrich and there's a movie Diedrich, mm. um, and TV Diedrich tends to be very, very grounded, very relatable. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who you work with or is in your family, and then movie Diedrich tends to be a little bit bigger, tends to be a little not like Jerry Lewis level, but like these are just slightly broader characterizations. Do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. That's a great Why do you think that is? Um mostly because uh I do movies for fun and not I don't really consider it a job. You should see some of the auditions that I've done, like so broad they're intense. <laughs> so if uh if they buy what I bring in, then I'm gonna head out of town. My number one thing in my career is to um uh, make sure that my life is livable, that I'm not a gypsy, uh, that I have a very strong relationship with my wife, my kids, and my friends, mm-hmm. um, and my guard. Um, and uh, so if I am heading out of town, which is the majority of movies are shot out of town. Yeah, it would appear so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to have to be fun for me. Like, I'm going to have to have a really good time. Um, so uh, and, and, and that would equate in your head to a slightly bigger performance. Yes. Like something that I would never get away with on television. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, like I walk into the room and I'm like, this is the way I'm going to do it. Where uh, if I walk into a TV room and audition, I'm like, how do you want it? Interesting. Well, also, the, there's a couple interesting things about this. Um, because one, the movie thing is like you're going to have to sustain this fever pitch for like two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks, three weeks tops. Yes, because I really 
don't want to be in too much of the movie. <laughs> Why um, not? <laughs> um, I've never really wanted to be a movie star. Okay. I have always wanted to be a character actor, which is one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this show. Oh, nice. Um, was that my goal when I was a kid was to be the character actor. Same. Um, 100%. And uh, so it's easier for me. Um, I love the guys that played a bunch of different characters. Uh, you know, Peter Sellers. Uh, Peter Sellers Alec, comes up all the time. Alec um, Guinness as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. People don't... <laughs> Alec Guinness, there, there's still too many young people who just know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but if you miss out on the Ealing Studios work that he did, Kind Hearts and Coronets that's is the a... One, that's the one. It is a tour de force. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... It's so weird to think of generations of like, oh, he's that British Buddha guy from Star Wars. Like, yeah. mm, there's so much more. He is the goofiest goddamn I- Ironically, comedian. that's his least favorite performance. Uh, no, I know. He was famously, uh, yeah, famously really, really unhappy, uh, unhappy <laughs> oh, about it. Yeah. And that's also kind of a bummer. I would love for everyone to be a little more happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so why is it that you think, aside from the fact that, you know, if you do something on TV, you might have to do it for five or seven seasons versus, you know, a film performance where you might be in and out in two weeks. That's it. Depending on or the size even of the a couple of days. Even a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. Why do you – you said something about like things that I could never get away with on TV. Why does TV require a slightly smaller, more grounded piece of work? Um, I think it's because you're in people's living rooms over and over and over again and, and they're going to have to buy you as a real person. And uh, you to make such incredibly bold, like Lawrence, for example, in Office Space. Yeah, I think uh, if he were in a series, it'd probably wear you down. Uh, yeah. But uh, as it is, just kind of sprinkled, leavened uh, throughout the movie, you, you you're okay with him, and he's a he's a favorite character, that's for sure. Yeah. Um. But uh. But in TV, I think it would I think it would wear you down. I think it would be too much. Like you'd see him and you go sort of roll your eyes, like oh here he is again. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I made a bolder choice. Um, <clears throat> did I tell you the story of how I came up with the character of Lawrence? This is a total different. I was, I was going to get to that later. I was going to yeah. start elsewhere, but let's yeah. hit it. Go ahead. Um, so I had just seen Bottle Rocket at the New Beverly. Okay. And I thought Owen Wilson was fantastic in it. Just yeah. great. No, and that was the first my, time that I saw him. maybe my favorite Owen Wilson performance. It's a great performance. Yeah. And because he reminded me of the upper middle class kids that I grew up with who were so wild and so unpredictable that you knew they would never follow in the footsteps of their father. I don't know what they would end up But doing. they also might not face serious consequences by virtue of being upper middle class. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Upper middle class white people, the world is made for you. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, I can't tell you how many times I got pulled over and led off because I was, I had the way that I spoke and the way that I looked and yeah. uh, it was just incredibly easy. I literally ran into two police cars Fucking and they let me go. So, uh, I, but I knew people like his character and uh, they ended up working in construction, and I just thought, oh, it's shooting in Austin. Uh, I'm going to do like an Owen Wilson impression, which I can't do now, so don't ask. Um, but uh, I, I thought, because it's like he's this guy who was brought up in the same environment and just decided that um, a little like Biff, um, 
that he he wanted to do something with his hands. He he wanted to escape from the materialism of his middle class upbringing mm. and and the capitalist structure as a whole and work with his hands and feel good about the end of his be day outside and be and, outside and have stuff he could look at and be yeah. like I built that. Yeah, exactly. So I was like that's this guy. So I worked on it for a couple of weeks. And uh you know, had it pretty much down. Signed in Sat down. Owen Wilson walked out of the room. Fucking hell. I see him walk by. He's a lot shorter than I thought he would be. And uh, I, wa- I, you know, like ran to the sheet that you sign in, put your name on. And uh, and he was reading for Lawrence. Oh, my God. And I was like, holy. I can't do a better Owen Wilson than Owen Wilson. Probably. I have to come up with a new character right now. I was the only guy in the waiting room, by the way. So there's no, like, cushion time. You're next. Casting director comes out and goes, Diedrich, are you ready? I go, I mean. (laughs) 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 So in between me standing there and me sitting in the room, which was probably 35, 40 seconds, I came up with the character of Lawrence. And so when you're, when you suddenly have to like break the glass and go for your emergency character, what's in there? I have no idea where Lawrence came from. Oh, okay. But the voice, you can his tell me timing, where he didn't come from. <laughs> yeah, his voice, his timing, everything uh, was fully formed the second I sat down, and um, it was almost an out of body experience because I knew the lines so well after running them forever. Yeah, yeah, sure. And also, as you know, like when you're on a sitcom, your mind is sharp as a tack because you have to learn lines over and over and over again in such an incredibly short period of time. And they get changed on you a lot. And they get changed on you. Yeah, so the you only just, thing that makes you, you sharper is a soap opera. Yeah, right. Yeah, so the, those, right. those soap actors are machines. Oh my God, they're machines. Yeah. The only problem is you can't, you can always predict what they're going to do. The time that I've worked with soap actors. Oh, interesting, yeah. Uh, they, where sitcom actors tend to like, will surprise you. They tend to be a little more flexible. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I honestly had this out-of-body experience where Lawrence just came in and oh just was God. fully formed and there. And the first take uh, was completely ruined because Judge laughed through the whole thing and lost his shit, really. What, what's the scene? Like, is it the scene with, uh, uh, what the, would you do two if you had at the same time? The, yeah. Two at the same time, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Of course, um, which is now such a, a, a wonderful gif. It is. Um, I know. Yeah, very popular GIF. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah uh, when it, whenever um, uh, the like the Powerball goes really high, that one goes into circulation. It's, it's really honestly, it's totally crazy because that's probably uh, that that's that's the thing I get recognized the most for. People will Even shout it out. Even with the crazy wig and the mustache, you're Everything. still yeah, identified yeah, yeah, yeah. with that. That's so interesting. Yeah, so I have 100%. two. Um, I have two follow up questions for you. Then. Yeah. Um, first one. So you you pull this audition out of this audition read out of thin air yeah and then you book it and there's probably a few weeks between months months between audition and shooting so did you have a moment of like now what was it i did no (laughs) no you had it you you no he was locked in he was locked in that's amazing i literally just met him that exact second Ah! and then the rest of the time he was just waiting um and uh uh yeah i mean as you know it's like it's also interesting characters that you can improvise with and characters that you can't. Yeah. Um, because uh, a lot of stuff just occurred to me when I started uh, playing him. And uh, it just 
uh, did it. And, and uh, um, you know, I asked for another take. Mike was really open to it, which was awesome. He was great. During the audition? No, uh, no. during when we were actually shooting. Oh, great, great. Once we got it down, locked in, which is the only way I like to work. I do not like to change anything until it is as written because it's approved by the studio. Right. And, um, and they're the ones who are ultimately going to hire me again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think you you have to do it as written. Well, it's and also then respectful to, if you, especially the if you're a writer director. so long. Oh, my God. If you have a writer director who's running the show, the least you can do is do several takes as written. And then if you are given. If, if, they're, the, if they, they're print and they're, they're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I, if something did occur to me. Yeah. Then I will ask for another take. Okay, great. Um, because. Uh, the thing that takes the longest, and uh, people that aren't in show business don't know this, so just a little bit of an explanation. The thing that takes the longest is setting up the lights and changing the camera. Yeah. Uh, the takes are actually really, really short. Yeah. Um, if you have a two seconds. Minute, yeah, yeah. If you have a two minute scene, <clears throat> it's pretty rare that it's that long. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you're talking about two minutes. Yeah. So uh, if the director's cool, they will generally go, yeah, I mean, Really, it's two minutes. The producer is not going to go <laughs> yeah. for that. Right. It's, well, maybe you find something. Maybe you don't. Right. Um, but it is – what I've also found is it's unhealthy for a director to say no when I've seen other actors ask um, because then the actor feels like he's not a participant. He's not he's equal. Not a collaborator. He's, he's not, not a collaborator. He's not being trusted yeah. and uh, respected mm-hmm. in a weird way. Even though they were supposed to do it as is, uh, they they feel like why why can't I? Um, then it becomes acrimonious, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so better just to take the two minutes because yeah, then yeah. you kind of you could throw it out. You don't need to print it. You could say print and then not print it. You could do whatever. Also, we're not really printing anymore. It's all digital for God's right, sake. Exactly. We're not burning film for fuck's right. sake. It's, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When it's I started, it was zeros film. and ones, dude. It's zeros yeah. and ones. When yeah. I started, it was film. When he started, it was when we started, it was film. You were under lights that were three times hotter than oh they God, are now. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? This yeah. is something that people don't understand yeah. inside the business. Is that yeah. sets have gotten literally cooler <laughs> over the past twenty five years? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they used to burn you up. Digital picks up more natural light. Oh my God! So you're not you're not under these fucking heat lamps that they use at diners <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to yeah. keep orders warm. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it is all the reason, all the more reason to kind of let things develop organically. Yeah. When that film came out and Bond. was decent. Okay. I was going to, I was going to be able to, it didn't do the business expected, <laughs> but then got a real second life on video. Oh yeah. Crazy. That had to feel kind of amazing or did it because it was so gradual. So, um, we weren't able to go to the premiere because it was on a Tuesday night, which was the tape night for the Drew Carey show. Oh, fuck. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so we went opening weekend, my wife and I, mm-hmm. Saturday night at the AMC 14, which at the time was the busiest movie theater in Los Angeles. Where's there the, was one the other. AMC 14? It's at the Century City. Oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, there was one other person in the theater. Saturday night, opening weekend. And he left. Oh, fuck, you know. <laughs> so my wife and I, he left before I was on the screen. So my wife and I watched and, you know, um, watching a movie with an actor is a horrible thing to do. It isn't enjoyable for anyone. No, the actor's actor not is, having a good time. No, the person actor with the actor is not having a good time. Only looking at their own performance. 
their takes, specifically their, the flaws yes. in that performance. Oh, that's all you see. The first time, that's all you see. Yeah. What I could have done. Why didn't they use that other take? Mm-hmm. Why do I look like that? What, 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 you know, it's the worst. My wife, being an actor as well, knows that that's what I'm going through. So, but I'm just waiting. I'm watching the film, knowing that it's a bomb, and uh, it colors my entire judgment. I can't look at it and enjoy it because every scene I actually like, but America clearly is not going to like this picture. So my taste is incredibly questionable at this point. I'm like, mm. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I really wanted to be in this movie. I was ecstatic when I was shooting it. I loved working with Ron. I loved working with Mike. I thought the script was great. I thought the art direction was amazing. Art direction is phenomenal. One it of the- re- it, looks, it looks so sharply realized and specific. Yeah. It looks like an actual genuine bachelor pad. One of the things that drives me completely crazy about art direction and bachelor pads is that they cover their place with pizza boxes and laundry and but also exposed brick and high ceilings. You know all the other shit that you can't afford. Like it's a mess, but it's also a gorgeous mess. But with you know ceiling high windows, that's true. (laughs) But one of the I mean, but most of the time it's like these epic messes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I only knew one guy who lived like that. Most of the time, bachelors. It's like it looks. It looks fine. They can. Yeah. It's not incredibly clean, but it's also not a total mess. No. Um, but anyway, so I loved how anonymous it all looked. Like he didn't put any thought into it. Yeah. He really didn't, yeah. and I loved that idea of it mm-hmm. because he just got what he thought was expected of him with the apartment and nothing that his girlfriend would go. What's that doing there? Like all of that, right? Yeah. I got it, and I walked in, and I was like, oh, perfect. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And we had this talk, Mike and I, he really wanted the mullet. I really wanted the mustache. And he was just yes-anding. And uh, so it was like beautiful. Like everything about it was fantastic. Uh, I was shooting a movie in Dallas at the same time. So I was flying in between Austin and Dallas. And uh, I was having trouble with the director in Dallas. He and I did not see eye to eye. And he was really not into me changing anything. Um, And... Uh, and we had arguments, and it was an acrimonious relationship. Mm. Um, and it was a little like, not hell, but a little bit like very different yeah. sets. Um, because one was open and fantastic and just like lovely, and the other was closed down and uh, very mechanical. Mm. And uh, I was unhappy. What um, was the uh, movie in Dallas? Certain Guys, which was a great script, okay. um, came out on cable. Okay. Um, I, I, it was like a diner, but in Dallas. Okay. Um, and, uh, and it just, it never went anywhere. And I think because he, he quashed the idea of it, like it just never went anywhere. Full disclosure. It did not come up in my homework. Uh, yeah, it okay. would not. Okay. I would be shocked. <laughs> I would be shocked. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, it came out and it, and I knew it was going to bomb and then it bombed and, and it was this searing uh, moment and painful for me yeah, because sure. I really believed in it. And at the same time, I mean, you know, I was on the Drew Carey show, so I was like, ah, too bad. Yeah. Uh, and then moved on and shot other things and kept going. And then two years later, my wife and I were driving uh, to go to the taper downtown. And uh, this uh, classic truck pulls up next to me. There's two guys with tats all over. And they like, they see me and they like nudge each other and whatever. I'm like, you know, uh, and they go, uh, what'd you do if you had a million dollars? Amazing. And I was like, what? And they go, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I go, to 
chicks at the same time, dude. And uh, they go, yeah, you know, and give each other a high five. And then they pull off. And I turn to my wife and I go, that was from office space. And she goes, yeah, I thought I recognized that. And I go. And your wife goes, yeah, it fucking better. Have been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I go, what's, uh, what's happening with office space? Like that those dudes know wow. that. And she goes, I don't know. Then I got a kick-ass residual check. Ah! <laughs> and I was like, something's happening with office space. That's so interesting. And um, then I started being recognized for office space over and over and over again. After years on Two TV. years. Yeah. And uh, I was like, what is happening? And then it just took on its own thing. And so I didn't see it for another eight years. Really? I, I've seen it twice, once opening weekend and once in Austin at the 10th anniversary. I have seen this film so many more times than you have. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I have that. seen this film so many more times than you have. Go ahead. I'm happy with it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, so, yeah, 10 years. And uh, it was at a screening at the South by Southwest, which was really, really fun. Because oh, perfect. the tickets oh sold God. out Hometown really fast. screening. Oh and Cult the tickets favorite. sold cold favorite. The tickets sold out in like seconds. They were being scalped for all. So, oh, man. the the waves of laughter cascading mm-hmm. down and then off the screen and back at me was. I just get chills even thinking about that moment because I was like, okay, I wasn't entirely wrong. <laughs> Told you this was a good script. It's, I, it's so. I wasn't entirely wrong. I um I. I one of them. I did not see it upon its initial release. Yeah, I, I saw it on on, on VHS the following yeah. year. Um, VHS, I didn't see it upon yeah. its initial release because I had just left five or six years of straight corporate work uh, and was in no fucking mood. Yeah, I was like, well, you? this yeah. is kind of you know, this is sort of taking. It's a satire. I'm like, I don't care. No, I don't like, wish. It's like to. a vet watching a war movie. Yeah, yeah. Mind? yeah. This is my fucking yeah. platoon. I don't yeah. want to. I'm not interested. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, that's. Yeah. I don't mean to cheapen the experience of, of veterans. Course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But thank the, you for service. But yeah. Um. But the there's a sense. Um. But once I was able to watch it, it yeah. is so meticulous uh, and yeah. it's detailed. And the thing, the moment I fall in love, your work is great. Everyone's work is great. The moment that I fall in love is just the little static electricity shock on the doorknob. <laughs> yeah. That little moment yeah, yeah. is just so like, oh, my God, that was every day. And they, yeah, every we day. were always told that there was a trick you could do if you had a bunch of hard disks in your hand. Uh-huh, okay. You tossed so them up in the air w- w- just as you grabbed the knobs so that you wouldn't like shock the disks and possibly erase them. <laughs> so we all had this like juggling act They're going more worried on. about the disks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely more worried about the disks. <laughs> yeah. So that was wonderfully realized. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the film. And I wonder, Jamie and I was talking about whether or not we want to show it to our kids. And I was like, you know, my dream is that they never have a life where they really get that movie. <laughs> yeah. But that is the um, dream. Yeah. One final office space question. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. is a missing ending that is a little darker that I think you're in. Or are you in the, the that, that, that it's an extended scene of, uh, spoiler alert, if you've not seen the film, skip ahead like 30, 30, 30, 45 seconds or so. The scene at the end where they go to visit Ron and he's now working at the construction site ostensibly with you and then they leave there's an extended version on the dvd which i own because mm. i love that movie <laughs> i'm loving this yeah um where his boss the foreman comes up to him and goes lawrence's boss well, yeah do you do you come over and uh, are you the one who says no no no. it's lawrence is not the boss lawrence works with uh ron's character right and the boss comes over and and is basically the same 
Yeah. Uh, and we so need you to come in on Saturday. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, it shatters the illusion of Lawrence's freedom and of Ron's character's freedom. I'm really glad that's cut. Yeah, me too. I'm really glad that's cut. Yeah. Yeah. talk about your childhood for a moment um and you're kind of so was your dad a diplomat was your Um, dad state department you moved all over the place yeah so uh, it's questionable what my dad actually was doing i I don't really know uh when we were in um france he uh was working for the ford foundation okay Uh, so he was the european representative for the ford foundation but um, the questionable part about my dad's career was that he was recruited for the cia when he was in vienna and um the Big debate among all of our siblings is, uh, all the Bader siblings, I should say, is whether or not he ever really left. Um, And uh, the way that it's been explained to me by other agents is that uh, you don't really leave. You mean agents in the central intelligence, uh, (laughs) not in the Hollywood sense (laughs) of the term, right? Okay, just to to clarify. Um, Is that you never really leave because... uh, You can't. It's also... You either buy into it or you don't buy into it Mm -hmm. if their mission is real or not. And so if you have bought into it, which he did, um, you know, if you come upon something that is of interest, you pass it on. Right. Uh, Because these guys that you served with uh, in the field, you feel as close to as bringing it back to vets. You're veterans together. You've served together. Um, So you have a loyalty to them that you don't to other people. So let me ask you this. When, when was your dad born? What year was your dad born? He was born in 33. 33. So he's silent generation. He is 30 for the Cuban Missile Crisis and thereabouts. Is he in the CIA at that point? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's he's in the thick of the Cold no, no, War. Yeah, yeah. And also he was in Vienna. I mean, that's where he was recruited. He was recruited okay. in Vienna. And he was recruited by um, a guy... Uh, you know, did you ever read uh, uh, Cloak and Dagger? It's about the early days of the CIA. No, but I read um, Legacy of Ashes, which is about the whole yeah. of CIA up until the 2000s. That's also a great one, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. oh, oh, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, what they found is uh, during World War II, uh, uh-huh. Wild Bill Davidson, who uh, you know started the whole thing or changed it into the – but anyway, during World War II, he found uh, that if you're caught – you're supposed to give 24 hours for the codes to change, everybody, the office to be shut down, for them to figure out that you have been caught, um, for everything to change and the mission to be abandoned. Just give us 24 hours. After that time, say everything. Tell them everything. Because none of it matters None of it matters, and it'll sound real, because it was real, and you, right. you, 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 no one can stand up to that torture. Just don't do it. Just give it up. Give it up. It's fine. They found that those that never did were the ones that had been orphaned uh, or lost their father at a very early age and then had gone to an Ivy League school and then were recruited by an older guy. In their subconscious, they didn't want to betray their new dad. Well, the daddy issues running through the CIA and you read like, 30 pages on the CIA, and it's all Ivy League daddy issues. It is. It's it is. striking. And then and then you go, but, but Herbert Walker Bush was head of the, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's all that. Interesting. So Davidson noticed that pattern, because that's what you do when you're a spy. You yeah, notice yeah, yeah. patterns. 
Um, and uh, he was like, oh, my God, these guys are – this is what I need to make an entire agency of these guys. Oh my so God. my dad's uh, dad, my grandfather, was killed uh, when my father was three. Um, and uh, he was – it was very brutal. He was run over with a steamroller. and Jesus. Um, uh, And then uh, my dad has always been trying to find another dad, had been, uh, and was recruited in Vienna by a guy. What was he doing in Vienna? He was a, a Fulbright scholar. Oh, my God. Uh, to, for, to study medieval history. And was he an Ivy Leaguer? Princeton, yeah. Princeton, okay. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, he was recruited by a guy whose uh, father had also been killed. Um, at my dad's wake, um, I talked to uh, an older agent. By older, I'd say, like, he's in his uh, 60s now. Okay. And uh, he had been recruited by my dad. I didn't know he was an agent until I figured out that he had also been orphaned. Uh, and it's like um, when you read Art Pepper's book, Straight Life, junkies recognize each other. Like they see. Yeah, they do. They see each other across the room and they're like, oh, yeah, you're a junkie. Even in a crowded room with a bunch of other jazz musicians, Art Pepper could look across the room <laughs> and go, okay, you're the junkie. Yeah. Right. And you, don't even need, go, you don't even need to have your sleeves rolled up. You, you can just tell. Yeah. Orphans recognize other orphans. Interesting. There's a need. There's a need. Do you think this has inspired your need to not necessarily be a star, but to be a steadily working actor who still can provide for his family? That's an interesting insight. I never thought about that. Um, maybe. I mean, maybe. To provide a certain stability that yeah. it sounds like you had, all things considered, you had a certain amount of a stable home life, but your father yeah. clearly didn't. Yeah. And, and and he was largely out of my uh, life, even though uh, my parents never divorced. He was out of the country, yeah. you know, two hundred days out of the year. Jesus, really? Yeah. So, so you you spent a bunch of your childhood in Paris. Mm. There's a crazy story that may or may not be true about Charlie Chaplin and oh, you. No, that's a, true. That's true. Tell yeah, that yeah. story, please. Okay, so um, my uh, siblings. Uh, were all older and my parents gave them a deal that if they took me to the movies that my parents would pay for everybody that went. So that's why I saw so many movies when I was a kid and actually fell in love with movies and the only reason I'm an actor and not an academic like my siblings is because of that. Wow. So I would sit in that screen and I was deeply alienated because I just learned English and now they're speaking French all around me, right? Hell, yeah. So I associated with silent characters the most. I was going to say, so even the intertitles, you don't really need the intertitles. You're figuring out what's going on anyway. So, um, like Harpo Marx was oh, my yeah, favorite, yeah, yeah. right? Because not only was he an anarchist, which appeals to little kids, yeah. but he was silent. Yeah. Um, I love Buster Keaton. I I'm just on a side note, I also really loved the Fred Astaire movies, uh, but um, I really loved Charlie Chaplin. Really? I worshipped him. Mm. And uh, that combination of sentiment and uh, hardcore comedy, mm -hmm. very strong physical comedy, right? really, really appealed to every part of me. Right. And uh, so I, uh, my brother and I were in a room together, but every time he left, I would work on my Charlie Chaplin impression. And it was just something I'd love to do, but I kept it a secret. Oh, wow. Um, because I didn't want anybody to make fun of me. Uh, yeah. You know, older siblings, that's basically their whole life. Are you the youngest? I am. I'm okay. the baby. Um, uh, four. Uh, wow. And the idiot. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I didn't want to be teased routinely. Anyway, uh, my favorite theater in Paris had live accompaniment. Oh, man. 
And I don't remember what the movie was because I was very young. I was five. Uh, but uh, Audrey Schur, my f- uh, mother's best friend, okay. took me, um, knowing that this was my favorite theater and that it was only showing during the day. And she took me. And uh, the you know the organ player was playing, and the film got caught and burned, oh, and everybody booed, and uh, naturally because the show has been you know so. Uh, but I said to myself, nobody boos Charlie Chaplin. Oh dear! So I jumped up and I ran down and I got in between the audience and the screen, and I started doing my Charlie Chaplin act. And, You're five. Yeah. And the organ player started playing. And I remember doing it and I remember drawing it out because I was getting these huge laughs. Yeah, of course. And then I remember doing a roll at the end and doffing my invisible hat. And this old man, it can make me teary, this old man in the front, bald, I mean, obviously had clearly seen the war or whatever, middle of the day, retired guy, got up and started clapping like, and the rest of the theater, <laughs> the rest of this theater stood up and started clapping. And I did my little bow. <laughs> I am getting emotional. And sat back down. And I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know when you do it well, it's the greatest feeling. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, I nailed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and then by that time they'd fixed the reel, went back to the thing. My God. Here's what's so crazy about this story. I forgot. I forgot. It's my origin story and I forgot. It, it. is very much your it is the radioactive it's the radioactive spider. That's it. When I went to go see Chaplin. Oh yeah. In the beginning, uh-huh. Geraldine Chaplin, his mother, is a vaudeville performer. Mm-hmm. She was also uh, schizophrenic or had a nervous breakdown on yeah, stage. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin was five years old. The audience starts booing her mother, his mother. He says to himself, nobody's booing my mother. Oh, my God. Jumps up and does a pantomime act. And there's no way you could have known that at five. And I burst into tears in the theater. And all of that, like, I know during the 80s they had all this recovered memory and some of it was made up. But this memory came back to me so intensely Uh that I was like, oh my God, that's that's what happened to me. Yeah. That's why I'm an actor. Uh, just, you know, like an incredible flashback. Oh um, and uh, I called my mom and I said, mom, I, I had this memory and it was so incredibly powerful, but I have to know if it's true. And she goes, all right. And, uh, you know, wasp. And I said, uh, you know, I told her the story. And she goes, oh, yeah, Audrey took you. And I went, that is the reason I'm an actor. I mean, this was the most important event of my life. And she goes, oh, is that it? Wow. (laughs) And I went, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's it, I guess. Sure. Uh, Anyway, nice to hear your voice. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So let me get this straight. You've got a... uh, Distant father, yeah. a withholding mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, somehow you end up in comedy. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that's wild. Come on, everybody's um, approval. All I don't. The time. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to put anybody on a couch here. That's yeah, yeah. not my job. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huh? Striking. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> There's a about, pattern. Can we talk about the Drew Carey show for a yeah, moment? Yeah, please. Um, which. Um, 
uh, it's gonna sound like I'm just I'm making up my fandom, but the more I was I was going through your stuff, I was like, oh, I've been a Diedrich Bader fan for like 25 years. Oh, I I loved. There was something very unique about the Drew Carey show in that these characters, in a way that other sitcoms didn't, these characters seemed to know they were funny. Yeah. They seemed to understand. My friend Mike Galvin, I have to shout him out, was the first one to point it out, because they laugh at each other's jokes on that show, and it's really endearing. Yeah, yeah. And was that something you guys... Was that a deliberate thing to just happen, and then you noticed it? Like, because it, it is it is really distinct among yes among because you think that's the era of it's the end of Seinfeld, it's yeah. the dawn of Friends, right. and those are brilliant shows, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. very very few times do people realize how funny the people around them are. <laughs> that's right. That's fascinating that you observe that, and I think you're the only one who, I, at least in my experiences, has pointed that out. Um, so. Um, those are takes that uh, were used by Bruce Helford when really? we were actually genuinely laughing at each other. Of course, as you know, scripts change a lot on sitcoms, so yeah, yeah. a lot of it is new. Um, I Ryan Siles is a genius. Yeah, sure. Drew is very funny and great guy. Yeah. They both would actually genuinely make me laugh. We made each other laugh. Yeah. Um, not as... Oswald, Lewis, and Drew, but as us. DJ, like Ryan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was genuinely funny. Particularly Ryan, like, really made me laugh. Yeah. And um, I would lose it. I lost it a ton of times. Um, I'm the worst. I'm the first to go because uh, I just love being part of comedy. And mm-hmm. the fact that I have the greatest seat, you know, to somebody who's as talented as Ryan Stiles, he's right as close as we are right now. I know. And he's being so funny. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's really funny to me. Bruce ended up using those takes. Really? So we're genuinely Bloopers on any other show. Bloopers on any other show. Um, yeah, he used those takes. because that is fascinating. I finally talked to him about it. It really only came through in the second year. Okay. Um, I talked to him about it, and he goes, well, you guys like each other. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Right, you can't fake that. You can't fake that. And when people watch, they see that we're really friends. We really genuinely hung out together. We went on vacations together. Oh my God. We really loved each You're other. You're co-workers. I know. That's, I know. That's and glorious. And we went to bear, uh, bears. We went to bars together. We really tore it up. And it was pre-internet days, pre the days where people would take videos of you like getting, tearing it up. Getting shit-faced. Yeah, getting know, shit-faced right. together, like staggeringly drunk. Yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, I wouldn't change it for the world because part of it was- it was a the, gracious golden era. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, but also, it helped the show. It Absolutely. genuinely did. Like you watched, especially the three of us together, and- we really liked each other. There was a there was a, a quality of of there was a lived in quality on that show mm-hmm. that was missing from other sitcoms, and I'm not taking anything away from Seinfeld or or Cheers or Friends. Well, that you but were on, yeah. there was a there was a a a really there was a really lived in quality. Like these people are welcome in my living room because they enjoy each other. I enjoy them. Yeah. There was a party atmosphere that just increased as the show kept oh, going. Totally. Yeah. So how'd the musical numbers start? Um, that was Drew's idea. Everything, I mean, Bruce had that idea about leaving those takes in, so right. I'll give Bruce that. But a lot of things that I'm proud of with the show were actually Drew's idea. He's a very creative guy. Yeah. He's a super interesting guy. Yeah. Um, so 
he had the idea for Moon Over Parma and having it be an animated thing, which is our first credit sequence. Yeah. He was the first to do um, Five O'Clock World. Um, right. That was doing a, a musical number. Fully choreographed musical number in the middle of a multicam idea. sitcom. It was his idea. Also, complete. I can't think of a precedent for that. No. And what was weird about it was that then there were – this is not to take credit for too much stuff, but I will say – it would be odd to say that because there were lots of musical sequences after that time, like a lot of shows were shooting musical numbers in their show after our show. Right. I can't. I don't want to be as bold as to say that we were the one that did it and that's why they did it. I'm but, trying to think of a precedent, though. But there I isn't think, one. There yeah. There isn't one. Um, and uh, yeah. And, and also, but one. also it's like you're, you're, as far as I know. it's more than like, cause okay, Buffy, the vampire slayer does a musical number that's shot like a film. Anyway, you're shooting a multicam, traditional multicam sitcom in front of a studio audience yeah, and they've got to feel positively punked by something like that. I mean, no, it's like it's a crazy. flash mob before we had such a term. <laughs> yeah. It, what was the reaction the first time you guys started fucking singing? Um, they went bonkers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh. Yeah, and that's all Drew. Drew's whole thing was uh, after the first year, the first year I would say that we were a very conventional sitcom. It yeah. was a will they, won't they with Kate and right. uh, office space, um, comedy, and then the friends at home loosely around uh, both the structure of friends but also uh, Drew's own experience. Right. Um, a slightly uh, grittier Midwestern yeah. working class friends. Yeah. And the pool table outside was his idea. And the continual drinking was his idea. But the first year really was a conventional sitcom. Second year, I guess during the summer, uh, Drew just really thought about it and came back with an almost entirely different show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, you but know. didn't really fire anybody. No. Which is wild because no. a lot of times when shows get re-envisioned, there's right. blood on the floor. No, 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 totally. I, I, I'm, I've been watching, I have a guest coming up who was on Newhart. Oh. And Newhart was between season one and season two, there was apparently a bloodbath. Wow, yeah, right. And a lot of shows, uh, Ellen fired a bunch of people. Yeah, I remember uh, Ari. In that Gross. transition. Yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. course. Yeah. Ari's great. No, Ari's, Ari's fucking great. great. Who gets great. rid of Ari Gross? Nicest guy. Too. Nicest guy in no, the world. That's crazy. Um, and so to completely re-envision the show but keep everybody along on the ride yeah. is another singular thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was huge. Um, and... Uh, Drew really took us in that direction. He He's a very, very smart guy, as I said. So uh, the musical numbers, and then they started just cascading. The guess what's wrong with this episode? I loved that episode. We're, we're oh, like my God. Bonkers. I loved that episode yeah. so fucking much. Yeah. I just remember Craig Ferguson finally going into his Scottish accent at one point <laughs> yeah. after years of playing British. Yeah. I, I watched it live. I loved that episode. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, the live episode. That That's was his right. idea. Yeah. He watched... I think it was ER, or I don't know what it was. It was there were something... a couple in the 90s that did live episodes. ER did one, and that yeah. sitcom, do you remember Rock on Fox? Yes. Um, uh, Charles right. Dutton? They did a live, they yeah. did a live one, yeah, 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 like yeah. in 92, right around the election. Yeah, yeah, and it was, yeah. Oh, no, no, I beg your pardon. They did a whole season no. live. Yeah. That's they right. They did a whole season live. We did it, actually, during the election, because the election hadn't been called yet. Yeah, yeah. So we... We did a whole thing where they kept running in and saying that it was one person or another. Oh, my God. And, uh, but anyway... Um, yeah, the live thing was his idea because he watched um, he watched either ER or Failsafe. I can't really remember. And um, his big thing, he, he's a really creative guy. So one of the things that he started doing was 
the laughing and the fucking up on camera. Mm-hmm. He realized that if the audience is there and you're not fucking up, that they are watching a television and they're not thinking it's live. Mm-hmm. So after the first year, one of us would fuck up during the cold open, which is the first scene. Right. So that the audience. On purpose. Yeah. Wow. So that the audience would know. You're here. We're here. We're 12 feet away from you. It's not a television. Because the audience has like, monitors that they can watch the show it, on. Right. Yep. But there's and some really so interesting stuff going on. to watch television. Of course, that we look up at the screen. Right. So his whole thing was, we got to shake them up. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the live episode was he wanted us to improvise. Uh, the bell ringing was his idea. Oh, yeah. Of uh, For people that will forget, that uh, we would be doing a scene and then a bell would ring. This is live television yeah. a bell would ring and we would have to come up with another line and it's, then a, they would it's an old improv on. game called new choice i've heard it uh, new choice right. yeah um so yeah he got it all from uh ryan and going down uh to to the second city stuff but uh but anyway uh to do that on live television was really intense that's really intense it's intense yeah um i have said fuck constantly oh, i'd yeah, have gotten this i'd have gotten this fcc'd yeah. to yeah. death I would have constantly said fuck. It was a, it's a temptation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a temptation because it's scary. It's, yeah. And you don't know when it's going and we wouldn't rehearse with the bells. So, oh uh, you know, it was uh, crazy. And I would have, I would have had the network find <sighs> into oblivion. <laughs> he wanted it to feel live. Yeah. He just wanted it to feel live. It does. And uh, so we also did a mountain time. Uh, no, Central Time. I'm sorry. That's we also right. had a Central Time because Ohio is Central Time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So was, it was important to him that we have a broadcast for them. Nice. So we did East, we did Central, and then we did West. So we did three shows that night. Most it, places, when they do live episodes, most will two. do East and East and, and Rock, West. Rock, for example, did two. Rock did two. Yeah. 30 Rock did two live yeah. episodes. It's just did two. Right. Um, to do three and to not forget Central and Mountain is yeah. noble. That's really classy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's really that true. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goddamn, no one. It's, that's, that's really cool. I, I want to talk for a moment about what is what's the first thing that comes up when when you go to your IMDb page is is what looks like about one days of work on Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> were you there what's for like a, a day? A day. Yeah. yeah. How did they find you? How did they get a an established TV star yeah. to do this tiny little Utah indie? Um, they offered it to me. I get few. I I think that's probably one of three offers I've gotten on my entire. Oh, career. I can count on one hand. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, television shows. I shouldn't say that. For guest star spots, I have gotten offers. Uh, but for movies, uh, one hand. Um, and uh, my agent uh, at the time uh, said not to do it. It was like, but had to pass it on because that that they're obligated to do it if you get an offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and send it to me. And uh, it is, to this day, the funniest script I've ever read. Interesting. I actually think that the script is funnier than the movie. Um, oh, I, I'd be interested to read it. I'd be very interested to read it. It's hilarious. I read it in bed because, excuse me, I got an offer in the afternoon, and I was like, oh, to be respectful, I'll tell him in the morning. Yeah. So I didn't think anything of it. They, my, the first thing uh, he said was they have no money. They have um, no money, and they're going to shoot in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Idaho. Idaho. I yeah. apologize. That's Southern, right. I did know Idaho. that. But That's I landed right. in Utah. Okay. Um, and I was like, they get two senators? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, but uh, anyway, uh, 
so I read it and I could not stop laughing. And uh, I was laughing so hard, my wife told me to shut up because I was laughing wow. so hard. And she wanted to go to bed, which was completely yeah, yeah. understandable. And But I was like, yeah, of course, of course. And then, but I couldn't control myself. Um, it reminded me of somebody that I went to school with who I was totally obsessed with. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to a bunch of different places, as you know, but uh, this was St. Stephen's in Alexandria, Virginia. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to say his name because uh, he might listen to this and I don't want him to be burned, but he was like just like Napoleon. And uh, I had my best friend, Andrew uh, Brucker, uh, was like, why are you always looking at him? And I go, because the rewards are great. Because... You just have to keep your eye on him because you never know because something's <laughs> going to happen. And he was like, okay, this is weird. It's like, what's happening with you? It's all boys' school. So there was always that element of like, right. is that what's happening? But no, he was an odd-looking guy. That was not yeah, what's going on. You just wanted to take it in. It was unbelievable. For example, we're on two lines doing basketball drills in the gym. And it was the beginning of the uh, flavor chapsticks. Okay. The 70s, you know. Mm. And he's got this cherry chapstick, and he takes it out of his little gym shorts, 70s shorts. Sure, sure, yeah. And puts it on, right? And we're on opposite lines, and I'm just watching because it's worth it almost all the time. Like, so I'm watching him, and he goes like this. And then he just starts rubbing it on like it's really the most sensual in thing in the world and really rubbing it and rubbing it. Is. And this isn't a visual medium, but the, it's very sensual what the, you're doing. The, the, the line gets closer and closer to the time where I get the basketball. And then he, he, puts it like all the way up. So about half of the chapstick is up and I'm like, something's gonna happen right now. Something incredible is about to happen. I look around for Andrew because I'm like, where is he? But he's at the back of the lines. I'm like, you know, like do my little head tilt, like Andrew, check out him. Like, and he goes, like, so it doesn't catch it. I look back just in time where he takes a big old bite of it. Fantastic. Bites it like an ice cream cone. Like an ice cream cone where he's not gonna get a brain freeze, he just goes to town, eats half the chapstick, and then starts like swallowing it, regretting mm -hmm. it a little mm -hmm. bit, but also mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really loving it. Mm -hmm. And it's rolling around his mouth, and he's like trying to think, and then the coach hits me with the basketball oh in his stomach, because it was my turn, oh and my I completely God. forgot I was in line. He goes, boom, boom, right? Because, you know, coaches, they're always going to bust your balls if they possibly can. Like, yeah. Peter, pay attention. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. And but what I love is that you didn't narc the kid out for eating chapstick. Oh, no, 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 I didn't. That's No, you would never. Oh, my God, no. Why would you do that? I think uh, there's, a, there, there's a cruel streak in some kids where they'd be like, I'm sorry, coach. I got really distracted because. because of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tempted to say his name over and over again. But, um yeah, no, you don't. You don't do that. Classic. I mean, you're just a dick. But uh, if you do, but anyway, uh, same hair too, like the tightly curled blonde really? hair. Yeah, which is described in the script. Yeah. So I think it went into my head that it was this kid, and brought back so many childhood memories, and I just, I literally could not stop laughing. So, uh, so I said yes, and uh, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. Um, that is a film that actually did quite well upon its initial crazy. release, and crazy. and then and I remember it did the craziest thing that I don't think a film has ever done before is that it was out for a few months and then they re-released it with a bonus scene, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which I've never is like a post-credit scene that yeah. they added after the film's initial release, yeah, years before Marvel was just doing this de rigueur. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> wild. Yeah, and for Fox Searchlight, 
um, who bought the film at Sundance. Um, it is the uh, biggest selling DVD they had ever. Oh my God. Uh, that's why there's a sculpture of John um, as Napoleon on the Fox lot. Um, yeah. Because it's, uh, it was it. I mean, you think about all the other. Um, the sc- the, the West, only sculptures on the Fox the lot Anderson, are that yeah. and uh, Homer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think, I think Luke. I, no, you're right. It's just a big painting of uh, of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, there's a painting, yeah, and there's yeah, a painting yeah. of uh, of young Frankenstein, yeah. and there's a painting of uh, Seven Year Itch. But Seven Year Itch, statues. I remember, yeah. No, no statues. I statues. Think it's, just it's just Homer, Homer and John and, Heater. Yeah, it's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about your work. As as gay characters, oh yeah, that's two, interesting. Two kind of distinct gay roles in Miss Congeniality two, yeah, and then and then um, rich in better things, yeah. Um, and one is again, it's the it's the movie Diedrich versus TV Diedrich. One's mm-hmm. kind of larger and flamboyant, yeah, and one is very understated best friend, but not like a stereotypical best friend who's just like, you know, we need white wine, stat, yeah, or whatever, you know, right. there, there is something. Um, when you're approaching a character like that, that can be, as we, as history progresses, is a little more politically touchy every time, you know. Especially for a straight guy to play a gay guy. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. at the same time, gay guys want to play straight guys. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to restrict the jobs that they can get. But yeah, no, I mean, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, I always felt, as I was dueling Joel, um, oh, it's just unbelievably fun to play. Yeah. Um, that I, I I was probably over the top, and then when I saw it all together, I thought, well, I'm not going to win a Glad Award. Um, you know, I think that people might be offended by it because it's so. Uh, you know, I had just seen uh, the Mizrahi documentary, and that's basically who I was doing. Oh yeah, uh, that's why that's I wanted the, the hair to be the curl. I mean, I have curly hair, but yeah, I yeah, that's the Nanook of the North one yeah. where he's 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 yeah. going out for the the new fall line, and he's inspired yeah. by by that silent yeah. movie, right? Yeah, I've seen and, that. Uh, and the designer cliche is there, and um, you know, I didn't know because I was making a huge choice if I would get it or not. But then in the room with Sandra, she laughed through the whole thing, so I thought, well, that's pretty good. We'll see what happens. Right, and then they went for it. Um, it's interesting. There have been uh, gay guys that have come up to me and said, thank you for the representation. Uh, I've never gotten uh, a negative pushback because of it, mm-hmm. uh, which I fully expected, mm-hmm. but I never got. But in my heart, I felt like I pushed it too hard. Interesting. So, What would you say if someone came up to you and said, hey, you know what? Listen, I enjoy your work, but that one role kind of offends me. How would you handle something like that? I would like say, that? I get it. Uh, I totally get it. I mean... You know, um, as I was doing it, I was thinking, am I pushing too hard? And then I went to the godfather of my uh, kid's barbecue, uh, and uh, he's a gay guy. It was like a barbecue uh, filled with gay guys. And there was one guy who was more over the top than Joel. Right. So I was like, well, uh, there's some room here. But um, but yeah, I, could, I would get it if yeah. somebody were offended by that. Part of the reason that I played Rich the way that I did was uh, because of Joel. Interesting. So it's almost a... I want to say an apology, but a, well, an apology, a, a, yeah, a living is, amends. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a living amends. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, have you ever seen the movie America, America? I don't think so. Uh, it's it's Kazan. Um, and uh, in my opinion, I love On the Waterfront. Yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong. Uh, but it's my favorite of his. Really? And 
part of it is you've seen face in the crowd. Yeah. Okay. Part of it is that uh, it is an apologia for him at HUAC. For him writing everybody out to the uh, House on American If Committee. you really think about the theme of America, America, okay. this kid, to get to America, he betrays everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Wow. And his whole thing is America. I'm going to get like, there. Like, I'm going to get there. You guys, right now, you're either with me or you're against me. If you're against me, you're in the way. And you're going to get out of the way. And it's a fascinating film. Yeah. And... uh so yeah, Rich was, I was told in looping, uh, not by Pam, uh, I got in and there, every line of uh, Rich was in there. I Had was to like, be re-recorded? And I was like, wow, what happened to the sound? Like, yeah. And I was told that uh, it didn't read as gay enough. And uh, I said to Pam, I'm not going to do it. Wow. And... Uh, you're gonna have to reshoot the pilot, uh, cut my scenes, or accept it as it is. And to her credit, she is amazing. Mm -hmm. She was like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> wow, <laughs> because I was told to tell you and blah blah. blah. And uh, she defended me after that, one hundred percent. Wow. Um, but uh, but yeah, initially they wanted him to be gayer, you know, so it was yeah. clearer that he was a gay guy. Um, but uh. uh in the first scene, it's it, to me, it's clear that he's a gay guy. So uh, it's like, why do I have to? Uh, why do I have to do all these tropes, these character tropes? Right, of, right. Uh, it's of, not all the casual. It's you not. Don't, right. Yeah. It's, they're they're just guys. Yeah. Um. So uh, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. And be whoever they want. And Rich is that guy. And I loved playing Rich. And my relationship with Pam, I'm sorry, with Sam on the show, um, is. Beautiful. And it really it's a, is. It's a, it's a great opportunity. It is a great a, and unusual friendship. Yeah. And it is, um, and there's a wonderful moment where you pull up to work and she calls you with a friend emergency and you just, and the, the car, the camera just stays in the car with you as yeah. you pull out and head off to, yeah. and it's a wonderfully intimate that. moment yeah, yeah, yeah. that actually it says so much by saying so little. Yeah, it's yeah. a real less is more moment of character development yeah. because, and there's a coworker at the, like, hey, we're starting, come on, get yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. just fuck off no, to, no, go, fuck off, yeah. to, to go be Because there's something Sam. more important. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a wonderful moment. Yeah. It's really, really well played. brought up that moment. I'm really impressed that you Oh no, it really, I mean, I didn't, I obviously didn't, Go through the whole series. Yeah, was, That's another show that that because it's so specific about acting work can be a little hard to watch sometimes. For an actor, it would be really hard. She pulled off the incredible um, hat trick of getting people to care about actors, which <laughs> which normally nobody does. Nobody does. But the there's a, that amazing scene with her. We've had Alex Desaire on the show, oh, and and uh, and her and Alex sitting in the car for that car commercial, just doing take after take after yeah. take, and then yeah. checking their phones between takes. And yeah. just it is, <laughs> you want to get an idea of what this is like, listener. That's yeah. a a terrific episode in which to yeah. start. See what the life is actually like. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. How did um, how did American Housewife come to you? So um, yeah, that was interesting because um. We've been re-watching, uh, my wife and I have been re-watching Veep because my kids are finally old enough to, uh, where I feel comfortable with all of the language. It's really yeah. about my comfort. 
No, sure, sure. Like, uh, I'm still not, I still can't watch sex scenes with my kids in the room. It's just uncomfortable for me. It's yeah. fine. And it's not fun for them either, yeah. No, it's, Nobody it's wins. fine that they watch it on their own. They're old enough. It's Godspeed. fine. Godspeed. Watch Euphoria yeah. on your own time. 100%. That's why we my have an internet. My daughter watches Euphoria and I'm like, eh, cool, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but I'm, I can't be in the room with you because it's just uncomfortable for me. Absolutely. It's just I find it uncomfortable. Sure. But anyway, there's a lot of language in Veep where I just didn't want them watching it when I was on. So now we're revisiting. It's been really fun watching it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Veep sort of changed uh, perceptions in town of me that I could actually play a character that would not be broad because I was known for these broad characters on film. Oh, interesting. And Oswald... Um, I thought was realistic, but also kind of a broad character at the same time because he's a well, dumb guy. Well, it's weird. The show was broad, yeah. but the 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 he acting is jokes. all fairly grounded. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, considering well, you dressed up as Frankenfurter one time, I still <laughs> think there's a lot of grounding on that show. But yeah. okay. Um, yeah, one of my favorite uh, compliments of all time was when Tim uh, came up behind me and went, "You make a marvelous Frankenfurter." Oh my god, it was pretty great. That's that's it fantastic. Pretty, it was pretty fantastic. But anyway. Um, uh, so anyway, it was difficult for me to, and I had wanted to play a dad character, mm. um, because I was a dad and, uh, but, uh, the, I, I was so specific about what I wanted because one of the things I hate, talk about tropes yeah. of the dad characters mm. on television is the they're trying buffoon. to, yeah, that they don't know what's happening in their kids' lives. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's happening in their wives' lives. They really want to be out of it. They want to do their own thing. They just want to. That's not me. I really love my children. I love being part of their lives. Mm-hmm. I love my wife. I know what's happening with her. Um, I know her friends. I, I, I'm able to pick up on moods. Yeah. Like all of those <laughs> things that are the tropes of comedy. Um, uh, specifically sitcom dads. Sitcom dads. I did not want to play. So uh, I would read scripts of dads that were just like that. And I would go, ah, I mean... Um, it's not for me. I just don't. Yeah. Because the thing about it, as opposed to doing it in a movie, as you say, like one day on uh, um, a Napoleon Dynamite, a couple weeks on Office Space, you could do it for a short time. You could do whatever you want. But if you're talking about the possibility of years. It could be. Drew Carey Show ran for nine years. And 20 Imagine episodes a year. 20 to 22 episodes a year. That's right. Uh, you're talking about the possibility of playing this guy for an incredibly long period of time. If you're not happy with the pilot, you really shouldn't, unless you, you really need the money, you shouldn't do it because you're getting yourself into a situation right. that you may be miserable in. And I know it's a gilded cage, but it's a cage nonetheless. Right. Um, so anyway, so I would read these dad parts and they were that. And I was like, ah. the, Greg really loved his wife, really loved his kids, was 100% on board for whatever they were doing. Was he oblivious at times? Yeah, there's a, there's are great dad jokes that they're like we're we're talking. It's the Venus and Mars thing, mm-hmm. um, which is completely appropriate because that happens with my wife. Where I'm like, what's happening? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, but uh, you're in the same world in the same room at the moment. Like yeah. you might be from different planets, but currently yeah. we're both on Earth. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly. a lot of sitcoms yeah, yeah, miss. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, uh, I read it and loved the script. When I walked in. And met uh, Kenny and Rick, the executive producers, who were great. Um, the first thing they said was, oh, I love you on Veep. Oh, and I thought, oh, that's good. Because they're not thinking of the other characters where this is going to be broad. Because I'm going to play this uh, as close to me as any character I've ever done.
Well, the Veep role is is a grounded prick. Yeah, he's awful. He's yeah. a truly terrible person. But the great thing is that it's Veep, so that yeah. it's not like you distinguish yourself by no, being awful. Everybody's you bad. Know, there's, you know, truly selfish, Yeah, there's awful really people. a lot of yeah, garbage yeah, yeah. people on that yeah, show yeah, yeah, throughout. Yeah. Even like the good guys have their moments where you're like, oh, you're actually a monster no, deep no, no, down, no, aren't you're you? All bad. Yeah. It's just that you looked good in comparison to these <laughs> yeah. other people. Yeah, it's a real, yeah. you were great, you great yeah. on a curve on that yeah, show. Yeah, of course. Also, you know, uh, growing up in the Washington area. In the swamp, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. My dad was chief of staff of the Center Foreign Relations Committee during the Carter administration under Frank Church, the head of the committee at that time. So I would go and do my homework in his office and senators came and went. And so did all of the advisors. I actually knew these guys. Wow. Um, so I know. So who's on foreign relations during the Carter? Is Moynihan on there or? No, Moynihan is not there, but uh, probably the most famous at the time. Oh, Claiborne Powell was probably my oh, favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally fanboyed on him much years later in New York City. My wife is you hilarious about it. Yeah, because she's dork. like, she loves actors, but I'm like, I see him from across the street and I go, oh my God, it's the former Sever Claiborne Bell from the great state of Rhode Island. I just and threw I my head back so street. hard I, I hit my head. <laughs> and ran across the street. And I was like, former senator, how are you? And he goes, you're Bill Bader's son. I go, that's right, sir. How are you? And he goes, where are you? Where's your dad now? And I go, he's at CSIS. And I go, oh, good. It's good for you. And I go, thank you, Senator. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. And yeah, anyway. Anyway, um, so I knew specifically about politicians that they are, um, not all of them, but a lot of them are trumped up, you know, peacocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that advisors are these predatory they're just sharks they just move forward anytime it's really not about the morals or a greater picture they're always just moving forward like what we need to do to win um what's your goal let's get it done that's that guy so to me bill came very easily because he he's that guy i mean he never a second thought um about anything that he's doing and that was i mean Great to work with Julia. The uh, the first scene, the reason that I was on the fourth season was that I was on the uh, third season as a guest star. It was supposed to be just one, uh, two scenes, one uh, show, and then I was done. We did the scene. It went incredibly well. She gave me a pat on my shoulder. And then in the loo, I'm peeing next to uh, Bo, the camera guy. And he goes, oh, you're coming back. And I went, what are you talking about? And he goes, oh, you got the, yeah, she patted you on her shoulder. And I go, yeah, she's just being supportive. She's great. And he goes, no, that means, you know, she's an executive producer on the show. And I go, oh, yeah, no. And I, it's the opposite of the Judas kiss. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and sure enough, yeah. And wow. uh, she's the best. Did you ever work with Julia? I did one episode of Veep in a, uh, uh, that was a, a straight offer because it was such a small role. It's yeah. a focus group for Jonah Ryan. Oh, yes. Ryan's, oh, remember, um, I saw that episode. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's based <laughs> no, no, it's on not. It. It's, I, I, we're, it was one day's work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my, it, and they literally called in my wife and I. I'm one of the guys in the focus group. She's running the focus group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's Jonah Ryan's horrible campaign yeah. ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which we didn't actually get to see. Yeah. We're like, we're going to shoot this. Here. Uh, yeah, it was here. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was after you guys had moved back to Dave uh, Mandel's. Uh, years. Yeah, it was the Dave Mandel yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and Frank Rich is on set. Yeah, and and I, 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 you know, speaking of dorky things, I fanboyed on Frank Rich. Yeah, sure, sure. Because yeah. I grew up in New York, I used to read his oh, bitchy reviews. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, totally, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, there was an interesting. That w that could be a very. It was super late, two o'clock in the morning or something, but a super playful set, regardless. Yeah. And no two takes felt the same. Yeah. Very organic. A lot of fucking around. Yeah. yeah. 
precious about the script, but not overly precious yeah, about the I script. Think well put, yeah, yeah I think I, it's it well was put. it was a fun fun place to work. You've had such a, uh, a such an eclectic run. I ask this of, of all of my guests: What was a role that got away? What was a, a role um, that, for whatever reason, just didn't? So it's interesting when. I think about that because there's one role that really drove me crazy that I didn't get. And uh, it was called, uh, it didn't do very well. Christopher Lloyd ended up getting it, who's great. So nothing against Christopher Lloyd. He's also like 25 years your yes, senior. Absolutely. Um, uh, and a very big star. Uh, it was called Camp Nowhere. And uh, it was about an actor who basically gets hired by these kids to pretend that they're going to military camp, drama camp and a couple of other things. Um, and in the first scene, in the audition scene, uh, I played about 12 different characters. Oh my God. And um, and then in the subsequent scenes, every character was a different guy. And then there's the, uh, the guy himself where he's just supposed to be, this is you know what he is, right? This so, is your Alec Guinness role. It was this so, would have been your Kind Hearts and Coronets. So perfect for me. It was my dream, mm. honest to God, it was my dream. And uh, the single best acting I've done was at that audition. Oh my God. Honest to God, uh, I was modest as the next guy. Yeah. I fucking rock it. Right. And uh, I was told that the audition tape was bootlegged and that almost everyone at Disney saw this tape. Um, because um, it's it's the single best acting I've ever done. Do you think it greased the wheels for Housewife? No, no, because way too soon. It was around the time of the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh shit! Okay, yeah. I'm right. Yeah, right. So it was a very long time ago. Okay. I was too young for the part. Yeah, it could have been done, uh, but I was too young. They wanted an older guy because they wanted him living in a trailer and that his life had gone to hell. And yeah. that part of the story didn't would not have worked. You're, you're still, you're barely 30 at that uh, point. No, I was 25. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. I, I mean, 25 or 26. And, and the thing about Christopher Lloyd is that he's looked thoroughly lived in <laughs> yes. since he was 20. <laughs> and he's great. <laughs> he's great. No one's knocking Christopher yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. He's Reverend Jim. Yeah, Look at him, yeah, no, yeah, he's by amazing. all means. He's amazing and he's super nice. Um, but anyway, uh, that's the best I've ever done. And um, not getting it, because I heard that the tape had been passed around. Yeah. I had uh, people that I knew that were assistants Two directors and writers at Disney who had nothing to do with the film had seen it and said, oh, we all watched it at lunch. And I was like, are you kidding me? I had executives that I knew that were junior executives and television, nothing to do with the movie. We're like, oh, we all watched it. We all watched it. And I was like, I'm going to get the best role of my life. I never wanted to be a movie star, but holy shit, I'm going to be a movie star Mm. if I get this part. And then I didn't get it. And uh, it was crushing. Yeah. It was crushing. Now, does it take the sting off that I'm I'm really good at this particular job and I can barely recall that film? <laughs> I didn't see it myself. Okay. Um, I, like, I mean, you've seen my frame of reference up yeah. close, right? I know what I'm doing do over well. here. It didn't oh, no, do no, no, very no, no. well. It didn't do very well. Um, would it have been a hit if I had been in it? I don't know. Hard we to won't say. know. We'll never know, um, will I, I don't know. But all I know is that that's the only time I've heard of an audition tape being uh, bootlegged. Um, so maybe, maybe it would have been. Um, who knows? 
Who knows? Who knows? Um, I have very luckily had a good career. I'm I'm completely content with where I am. Um, I'm not working currently. Like yeah. I, I can't get arrested at this exact second. I'm in a lull. I'm, I'm in a, a lull, lull right now. Few people I know are in a lull. Where it's it's also it's, a the 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 it's not just that the industry is is coming back. It's rejiggering. Pilot season was kind of on its way out anyway, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, lockdown yeah. happened in yeah. in March of that year. Yeah. And we were like, well, why are we still doing pilot season yeah, per se? You know, yeah. Um, but uh, I get to spend more time with my kids, and I'm incredibly, incredibly happy about Just that. Just as they're kind of getting older, and one of them's about to leave for college. Yeah, and I it's... don't want it to be cats in the cradle moment where you know, I mean, <sighs> yeah, Sebastian is going to college next year. Oh my god, uh, yeah. Dean has one more year, and then she's gone. And then we're going to be. I love my wife. We're going to be empty nesters. The thing that this project that we've been doing together, it's not going to be over, but. Uh, the day-to-day part of it is not going to be the same. And uh, I'd initially, because I had a good six years where I worked almost continually, mm-hmm. um, now there's this lull, as you say, and I have finally, about a month ago, if I'm completely honest, uh, come to accept that it's okay. Yeah. Um, because uh, it's okay. I had six years of almost continual work, we're all right financially. Same. Um, yeah. And so, as long as I'm not an idiot. And, yeah, uh, exactly. And the Don't buy castles. Be... <laughs> I find castles seem <laughs> yeah, to fuck people up. Move, yeah. Castles fuck yeah. actors up. Right. Yeah. yeah. NFTs, stay yeah. away. NFTs are risky yeah. and, and right. go easy on the boats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not doing boating. Yeah. 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 I'll go with you. But I'm not probably going to go in. Um, yeah. So it's, it's okay. But uh, it is hard. At the same time, it's like all I ever wanted to do was continually work. Yeah, of course. And it was great for me to have that time. You mm-hmm. know, I was on Housewife and then Better Things and Veep at the same time. And it was like, it was just a dream. Right, right. Because I would also do cartoons during the day. So That's right. I, I, yeah, I just, you're a great Batman. You're one of my you. favorite Batman. Oh, nice to say. Thank I love you. your because it's a, it's a it's closer to the Adam West model yeah, of a yeah. little drier, a little campier. Yeah. He's the guy I grew up with. So yeah, of course, yeah. of course, we're we're roughly the same age. Yeah, so yeah. there's a certain like tone of like, listen, it's it's fine that he's you know. The, I mean, revenge. Yes, but. fine. Okay, but also we can have some yeah. fun, right? Yeah, come on. Yeah. yeah, he's in a cape and tights. Everybody. Yeah, we can yeah. do the Batusi, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Let's not roll that out. Yeah. Let's not throw the baby out of the bathwater yeah, here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I I feel like I'm I'm digressing too much. Do you want not a, no okay. such thing, no right, such right, thing on this right. podcast. We we welcome it, it okay. all. Yeah, all I mean, right. I I feel like we have these these lulls, but they, you know, as the rest of the world starts to understand that the the gig economy is uh, is becoming more prevalent, you have a profession that has been doing this for millennia. Yeah, has been doing the gig That's economy right. for literally. Yeah. Yeah, millennia since the beginning. Yeah, and we're rolling with it. We might be in some ways better equipped than some. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, um, I think it's fascinating. Uh, when I used to go to my uh, parents' retirement community, um, because men without jobs tend to fall apart, and the women stay around, uh, especially in that generation, because the women were able to self-generate interest. And the men needed interest to come to them. Right. Um, 
actors, if you go out to the actor's home, there's a ton of old actors out there yeah. just rolling around because we're used to self-generating yeah. interest in our lives. Like, I'm going to find something to do today. So retirement for us is going to be an easy gig. It's going to be the same thing. Every once in a while, I'll hear about an older actor who passes away at that, mm. that home. There's one up in, uh, there's one down in the beach cities. There's yeah. one up in, like, I want to say Woodland Hills. There's Woodland Hills. So we yeah. just passed Woodland Hills. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Cannot wait. Sounds, it's great. I love going awesome. up there. I go up there all the time. Um, I, you, do you have family there? Or are you just visiting? No, I just like uh, you go up, you show up, and and you just hang out with these old guys. They Fucking tell you take me with you. I'm so Seriously? into that. Yeah, hundred really percent. Let's like do it. The guys that work with the Duke, you know, and you're like, yeah. what was John Wayne like? Well, on the first takey, and I'm in. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm in. Catnip for me. It's so fantastic because uh, this is something you and I share. We both love character actors. It's filled with character actors. Yeah, you know everybody. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody that you recognize oh that has been in three million in movies at the time when they just went from gig to gig to gig to gig to gig. Some of them are probably uh, probably were like contract players still. Yeah, There's still yeah, a few yeah. of those left. Oh, not yeah. tons, but no, the, not but the ton. studio system yeah. was around until the early 60s. Oh, yeah, that's right. So yeah, there, there yeah, are guys who, were, who yeah. had fucking bungalows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that my wife and I discovered during COVID times was that we've seen so many classic movies. It was the first thing that we kind of bonded on were, mm. were classic movies. I had an old bug uh, when we were dating, my uh, radio had been stolen. So I had a box that I would bring in and put it in the back seat. And um, I, as I was saying earlier, I love Fred Astaire. Uh, he under, um, uh, I guess it was uh, RKO at that time, uh, released um, singles of the songs that were in the movie. So mm -hmm. there, weren't the, there weren't the soundtracks. They were what was released um, at the same time as the movie. Mm -hmm. So I have that album, and I, I actually really love it. I yeah. also love rock and roll. Don't get me wrong. No, no, sure. But I love those. So anyway. Stepping out. Great stuff in there. Yeah. I, I put it on, not knowing. This is our like second date or whatever. I you know, reached in the backseat, put on Fred Astaire, and she and I sang along, and she knew all the words. Um, and I was like, holy shit. I just fell a little bit deeper. I've always been attracted to you, but this is like next level. Um, anyway, so we'd seen, we've seen almost all classic movies. So we consider them classics because they were the best of the studio movies. Mm -hmm. The studio shot a hell of a lot that we don't really know. Yeah. There's a hell of a lot. Like William Powell was in a lot of truly awful movies. Oh, there's some shit back then. Don't really assume bad. that something is in black and white. It's automatically a classic. Yeah. Rosalind Russell. And uh, he were in, and uh, William Powell were in a movie about code breakers. It's awful. It's terrible. We watched the whole thing. And uh, <laughs> we watched it because it's like, you know, they offer other movies up, and then you're like, oh, I've never seen Double Wedding, you know? So why not? <laughs> Perhaps there's a reason, but let's right? go. <laughs> there is always a reason. <laughs> you know, there is. There, um, you know, uh, His Girl Friday is a classic because it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Rosalind Russell was in a ton of movies that were bad. Yeah. Um, anyway, the thing that we would just watch these, you know, we'd get some wine and we'd just watch these movies and, and we had nothing else to do for a long time. We're just in our house like everybody else. So, but we were in, you know, just like, what's it like? We're going to watch the whole thing. We're not turning it off. The thing that really sang to us was we would watch just MGM. Oh, interesting. For maybe a month and a half. And then we would just watch RKO for another month and a half. And... Um, the contract players. 
Oh, yeah. You see the same faces. Yeah. They would just be in so many movies. Yeah. They work with Cary Grant, you know, uh, or they'd work with William Powell as like the newspaper guy who comes up, hey, what are you going to say about blah, blah, blah? And then in the next movie, they're the cop that goes, hey, you better get out of that, you know, thing. And then they're the, the cab driver. They're the cab driver. Yeah, they're the janitor. Yeah. They're the everything. Everything. I feel like you and I would have thrived under that system. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I'd have had have steady, nonstop work. Residuals heaven. were a little shakier back then, and the exist. union wasn't as strong, but yeah, we. It would have been, uh, we would have done okay. Yeah, because yeah. we could do the guy. And also, it's like we have faces that are pleasant to look at, but they're not movie star faces. No, no one's so going to, it's know. not going to pop out at you, but you're going to go, oh, hey, there's that guy. Yeah. Um, that's happily my career. Um, but anyway, uh, seeing those guys like throughout time go, and you just know he has one day on this. Next day, maybe even the same day, he's shooting another movie. <laughs> After you know lunch. I mean? After lunch. Yeah. And you go, what do we got? You know, all right. You know, watch out for that. You don't want to trip over that. Something like that. It's yeah. this whole line. Yeah. Um, I just love those guys. And they, I just love them. Yeah. I just love them. Yeah. So well, that was really cool about the only, <laughs> there's only two positives out of the terrible pandemic, which ended so many people's lives and upended their entire world. One was that I got to spend more time with my kids at home. And the other was that I got to discover those movies that I otherwise wouldn't have seen. Yeah. I just don't have the time. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. I got to watch uh, Napoleon Dynamite with my kids. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, it was cool. It right. went over well. went over yeah, really well. I hope so. Diedrich Bader, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Yeah, I really had a great time. And that is an episode wrap on Diedrich Bader. You can find him on social media at Instagram at Bader Diedrich or over on Twitter at Bader underscore Diedrich, which makes me think somebody went out there and got at Bader Diedrich before him. Who would do such a thing? Two chicks. And he's just sitting there watching. Thanks for listening. Forever. Household Faces is a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by John Ross Bowie, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Ben Blacker. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Until next time, when's lunch? Mm-hmm.